Hello and welcome to the Marvel's to Know podcast. Today we are talking about movies and making them fight each other. <laughs> um, just having, you know, kicking them while down or kicking them while up, you never know. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Henry. I am your other co-host, Matthew. Um, and yeah. Oh yeah, I've done it the wrong way, haven't I? <laughs> Usually I lead into the topic after the co-host thing. Um, oh, well, it's a shake-up, isn't it? Yeah. We caught, we caught the listeners off guard. There's been a few episodes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, we have an Instagram account, um, at Marlesino Podcast, where we do daily reviews and weekly podcasts on Monday. Um, and we have a, uh, a Twitter account, where we do the exact same thing, but just on Twitter, at Cinema Marvelous. Um, yeah, so give us a follow there if you want to, and keep up with the day with what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you want to get started with like your fight <laughs> um we, we, we can do we can do so the way this is going to work is i think i'm going to present two films mm-hmm. preferably superhero films mm-hmm. and we're going to try and decide which one of them is better yeah and then you're <laughs> going to present two and then we're going to do the same for them yeah i mean it doesn't have to be uh like one good movie versus one other good movie. It could be the obvious, this like this one really bad one, one really good one, <laughs> and we're just making fun out of the bad one, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Well, I uh, going going first with this. I'm going to go for a, I'm going to go for a fairly obvious pairing here. Mm-hmm. One that we can really you know, people probably have their opinions on, <laughs> and it is Infinity War versus Endgame. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> the big boys. Yeah. This is a popular conversation, I think. Everyone kind of... Mm-hmm. It's a, like a pretty split opinion whenever I hear about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it it depends on what people, I think, want to prioritise when they think about this. Mm, yeah. The general opinion is that people like both of them. Yeah, yeah. But it's just when it comes to saying which is better, which is obviously something that... Media and pop culture absolutely love. <laughs> nothing, I, can be, no, nothing can be level. It's either the best thing or the worst thing to happen. Yeah, something has to be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in your opinion, which one is it? That's the better of the two. Uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for the the classic, the classic cop out, <laughs> and I'm gonna say that if we're thinking about it, I think the better. <laughs> I, 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 I can only say which one. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you're, you're really stuck here. <laughs> I think I have to go with my heart and say Endgame. Mm, okay. What would you have to go for? I would definitely agree. I think Endgame's um, a stronger film. I would agree, yeah. I I understand why people go for Infinity War. Mm-hmm. I think as as sort of a standalone thing, I think I can, I can definitely see why people would say Infinity War. But in all honesty, who is judging these in terms of standalone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel like to to say you're judging these films in isolation for both of them would be a detriment to the universe. <laughs> Yeah, there's like 24 films and TV show now. <laughs> you have to consider it within the yeah. wider thing, wider spectrum. Yeah. 
And in terms of just having that, ev- invoking pure emotion, any game has it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that you obviously you have you have the shock at the end of Infinity War, which gives it more of a, a uniqueness to it. Like while 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 there are sad things that happen at the end of Endgame. Very, 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 very sad things. <laughs> yeah. um, you don't have that necessarily that shock punch to the stomach kind of out of nowhere RKO'd as wow. <laughs> I've just used a ten year old reference. Yeah, that's a pretty old one. <laughs> Showing my age now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that used since the back in the old the old playground days. It's like two thousand and five YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. I yeah, I definitely agree. Um, there's, I think, upon rewatch, I think it's weird because both the films have the opposite thing. Where I think whenever I rewatched at home or even just like in the background on TV, maybe um, Infinity War, it has kind of lost a bit of its initial kind of wow <laughs> the wow factor um i think it is a lot of it's a lot of payoff it's just a movie full of just constant payoff of this is your character this is your character now they get to be together um they think you still want to finally ex- explain and kind of actually use as a plot thing um finances finally kind of an actual character now it's it's just payoff the payoff the payoff and like you say it's hard to detach it from the universe <laughs> it is very much the penultimate kind of clashing of all the things before the actual finale um and i think a lot of it gets i would never i would wouldn't, i wouldn't really say lost i would just say kind of caught up in the the back and forth witty banter between all the characters mm-hmm. it's, it does and the writers even you know they said it's about behind the scenes that they were in a room and kind of on a whiteboard got these character cards up and they said what would be an interesting mix. Um, and Infinity War definitely feels like that fan dream of just seeing what Doctor Strange and Tony Stark would be like together. Um, and it definitely, definitely works. There's no question about that. It landed mm. like 99% really well that entire movie. Um, I just think Endgame, upon rewatch and upon... it could I think re, um, Endgame is like a... It feels more like a movie, if that makes sense. Um, Infinity War feels more like an event. <laughs> um, it feels more like you're going to a concert of all your favourite <laughs> your favorite people. Um, <laughs> That's a pretty Endgame, good comparison. And I think Endgame has a bit more meat to its actual bones. It has a bit more of a story to tell and a bit more... I mean, less characters, for one, is helpful for the movie. It has a lot more breathing room. I mean, mm. for me, my, my favourite sequences in both these films is the sequences of, like, Captain America in the therapy group <laughs> or Black Widow eating a sandwich and she can't do it. <laughs> um, just can't eat the sandwich. Yeah, she just can't do it, you know? Um, I just love those back-to-back moments in the first, like, half an hour and then sprinkle throughout the entire time travel heist and the end battle, um, the end game, you could say. Um because that's a cool way of doing that one, Henry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely agree. Endgame is for me the stronger film, even though it's three hours long. You got you got to commit to it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, another thing that I always think when I think of Infinity War is, for me, it's the the best example of balancing different areas and different plot lines. Mm, yeah. Like I, th- I think I've made this comparison before, like way back when we talked about. It might have even been the first time we talked about Star Wars. I've made this little comparison. If you compare like the the, the battle sequences in Infinity War on the various plot lines, how they're balanced. So you have you have um, the Iron Man group, <laughs> a little <laughs> yeah. ti- Titan gang. Yeah, yeah you call Titan you've got gang. a Titan gang. Mm-hmm. You've got the Wakanda, the the Wakanda gang, <laughs> and then you've got the Space Gang. Yeah, so hammer, get, just making a hammer. <laughs> yeah, your hammer gang. We call them hammer gang. Hammer yeah. gang. Um, the way it cuts between all those, and each of them have time to breathe, and all the the key moments in those arcs bounce so well and are blended so well off each other. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's something you don't notice when it's done brilliantly. You just don't notice it. Yeah, yeah. Compare that to how. The two sort of plot lines are balanced in a Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah, that's very where true. Where you have epic duel with Obi Wan, Qui Gon, and Darth Maul, intercut at the most inappropriate times by some kid committing mass murder in a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> but I think... no, that, that's not meant as a dig at well, it kind of is a dig, but it's not meant as a dig at the Phantom Menace. It's meant as just to say that how well it's done Infinity War and the way and the way Infinity War just folds two of them together, so you have these mm. two concrete battles. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the the key ingredient in there is the the tone isn't all over the place. I mean, mm. it's all very somewhat dire and kind of everyone is having a hard time with what they're meant to be doing. I mean, the perfect culmination of all of that is when uh, Thor and uh, Rocket Raccoon and Groot land on the Wakanda, the Wakanda battle, and it comes at a moment of the first kind of relief we've gotten in the entire third act sequence. Mm-hmm. It's been building and building and building um, this enormous amount of tension, and as, you know, everyone Wakanda is getting beaten down, um as four is kind of like, if you would assume he looks a bit dead on the ground. <laughs> um, and on Titan, things are going wrong and Star Lord's ruining the plan. Um, it's all kind of building equally. I mean, there's all, there is comedy sprinkled throughout it, but there is, it is all building equally together. So in that moment where they actually converge and four lands on Wakanda, and then moments later, um, finals like comes to Wakanda, it all feels organic and kind of like, Oh yeah, it's three different colour parts, three different settings, three different sets of characters, but they're all dealing with the exact same thing in some way. Um and even though that's somewhat true of Final Menace, the Final Menace, like you're saying, it it's an epic duel of the fate literally the duel of the fates, and then Jar Jar Binks is just doing whatever he's doing and it's meant to be really funny, but it's oh, not I forgot all about funny. the Jar Jar Binks part. Yeah, it's it's a random CGI battle of characters that I do not care about on any side. Um, it is Anakin saying, uh, <laughs> what is it? Let's do a spin. That's a neat trick. Um, it's just... And then there's also the Padme kind of stuff going on as well, which is very much just has nothing really going on personality-wise, I think, at least. It's, it's just a bit kind of disconnected. It just feels like 
the wrong place in the movie to have all these things happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the same thing with Endgame. Endgame has a lot of, like, the time travel heist, there's a lot of things going on there, but it never, you don't really feel a whiplash of a Hulk scene talk, talking to the Ancient One compared to, um, you know, a Tony and Steve trying to get the, the, the mind gem and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it, it does blend really well. Yeah, there's very, very little whiplash, I would say. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just, I would say, Endgame's a bit more, it's a bit more calm. <laughs> if that makes sense. It's just a bit more, I feel like I can sit down and, and think about the movie that I'm watching whilst I'm watching it, compared to Infinity War, when I'm kind of just, holy shit, they're doing this <laughs> um, the entire way through. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. Good, good. <clears throat> yeah. Would you so, like to move on to one of yours, or your, one of your battles? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to pick a pretty controversial one, maybe. Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I want to pick Captain America Civil War versus Batman v Superman. Oh, okay. Okay, mm. here we go. Very... We're going down this route. <laughs> Two very similar films. You know, it was one of those... It's one of those, like, the same movie came out in the same year. The One of those type of things. Um, I mean, also, as well, Transformers, like, a year later, did the exact same thing with having Optimus beat up Bumblebee for a hot minute. Uh, <laughs> oh, my um, God. That was, that was around the same time. In my yeah. mind, the, tr- all the last Transformers film was, like, 15 years ago. It feels like it was... It, Transformers, no matter how many movies they make about them, they were Michael Bay at least. It just feels like they've always existed and they've always been the exact same movie. All mm-hmm. five of them. Just connected to this by a couple of years between maybe. Um but I I would say that it's weird because I think the popular consensus is that it's almost like night and day of like one's the obvious bad one and one's the obvious good one. Mm-hmm. So I might surprise people here by saying that I think there's like a hair's in my opinion, there's a hair's like which between the two of them for me, um, and I do think they're both. You know, they have a similar premise. I think they're both going for very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, one is kind of trying to be like the midpoint reversal, kind of like the team is broken, um, and one is trying to be the team uniting, uniting for the first time. Um, and I think I would agree that I think for I know for sure that I think that. Captain America Civil War is the better one and I definitely think it's partially or at least maybe mostly because of the third act um, and I think the third act of Civil War is the opposite of what Batman v Superman's third act is which mm-hmm. is it blows up into this gigantic uh, CGI um, spectacle smoke fire lightning thing and even though I do think it even though I do kind of enjoy how they played off in that film to a certain extent I do think it's not at all comparable to Civil War's ending where they strip down all the political messages and just kind of go, it's not about that anymore. It's about Tony Stark just really pissed off about Captain America. And then they're just going to have a, they're just going to have a fight. They're just going to fight for a really, have like a really brutal in like, not really flying around anywhere, not really going and ducking and weaving. They're just in a room having a fight. And Winter Soldier gets his arm torn off, <laughs> and, and the shield is broken, kind of, and the the arc reactor is going to get broken, and it's going to be so much just 
oh, crushing, just, oh, you could have, just have a chat, you know, get a coffee, have a knees up, have a knees up, you know. Um, but they don't do that, and it's really sad. Um, but what would you say, in your opinion, is a better one? I think, I'd say that it, when this comes up, it feels like it's always, for people, a clear-cut winner. Mm. With it, with it being civil war, and I, w- I would like to say that, as we have been on the podcast on the Instagram, we are, we are, we are sort of in some respect, we are defenders of Batman v Superman. <laughs> yeah, we like to we like to highlight its redeeming qualities and the, the aspects that we like, mm-hmm. uh, because there are there are a lot of aspects we like, and we we, well, I'm I'm able to enjoy at least on last rewatch. Mm-hmm. And there are aspects that I, I look at it and I think I like that. I like where that's going. There are interesting parts to it. But ultimately, I still don't think it's a narrow thing. Mm. Okay. For me, it, it is every time it's going to be a civil war for me. <laughs> yeah. I just don't like in. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to try and find a way of uh, trying to make this into a metaphor. <laughs> if, like if, you like, if you like scoring them out of 100 each mm-hmm. for me you no I can't that doesn't work for this sample <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know I think it's it sort of <sighs> <laughs> yeah it's sort of it's not it's, it's, a, it's a good distance ahead for me in Civil War mm-hmm. it's not it, but but still, right, okay, okay, I've, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. <laughs> I've got it. So you've got two people are doing time lapse of a of a course. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, one of them is considerably ahead of the other one. Mm-hmm. Civil War is considerably ahead of Batman v Superman, but for me, Batman v Superman still has a respectable time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like still better than wackadoo probably yeah <laughs> it's what... basically yeah it's still you know it's still still decent it's still respectable it's just yeah. that for me civil war is you know it's a world-class athlete yeah it's it's people at the top of the game doing what they do best <laughs> having fun mm. of it um yeah i think, I think it, it, it handles it handles the reasoning behind the splitting up and the argument a lot better Mm-hmm. And because I feel like Batman v Superman takes more of a high, highly sensationalized perspective. I mean, I know Marvel is sensationalized a lot, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. over the top in some respects. Mm-hmm. But in Batman v Superman, you have this really highly intense, over, um, yeah, just just I've forgotten the word I just used. <laughs> sensationalized tone to it, mm, yeah. Where the little things have more weight than maybe they would in another film. Mm-hmm. For, yeah. the, the example that I always use for this is the Martha moment. <laughs> yeah, I think people hate it because they they're judging it within the context of wider films. Mm-hmm. Like generally, yeah, it's not it's not the best thing to have, but in in the tone of the film, inside that film alone, inside this DC universe. It makes sense and it works because that's what's been set up. That's how this world all works. Mm-hmm. It's just that, yeah. I, but I, I do still think that 
Civil War, it handles it a lot better. The interrelationships are just so much clearer. Everybody, every little character has their own motives. They're all doing this for a clear reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a significantly better action sequences in Civil War. I, I would say for the most part, yeah. Because <laughs> for me, for me in Batman v Superman, there's the warehouse fight, which I think is great. Mm. But for me, a lot of the all the other fights, I'd say, are pretty poor. I, I would. Well, I no, don't know. Actually, no, not not poor. I'd say the one with Doomsday is a CGI mess. <laughs> I will admit <laughs> yeah, that. it's it's and smoke me, and sorry, it's it's just like smoke and fire and just destruction until it ends at some point. <laughs> mm, yeah, there's nothing particularly big or clever that happens. Mm-hmm. And then for me, the actual Batman v Superman fight is really quite underwhelming. I yeah, I think it's weird because you're saying things that I I used to totally totally agree with and totally just think I used to think the fight between Batman and Superman was very underwhelming. I totally because I when I saw that in the cinema twenty sixteen, I remember when it ended like definitively it was over. Now I'm moving on. I was like, wow, that was really. <laughs> the sign is like, a, oh, the movie is called that, like Batman v Superman, and that was a fight. Um, and but I think it's weird. I I think the more time away from it that I've had, and then rewatching it without the pressure or something, I don't know what it is. There's something about the way that it's 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 Batman at some point grabs a kitchen sink, literally, and then just. Uh, hits him over, hits Superman over the head of it, and then it's so much just back and forth, like then just punching each other, and then Superman getting stronger, and then punching him back, and then Kryptonite thing, and then at the end, Batman throws Superman over like a ledge onto a pile of radiators, and I think I don't know what it is, and I think it's because I think it's impossible because we're so used to highly choreographed. Uh, fast and faster than intense, brutal combat in these movies in some ways, especially the Russo Brothers action, which is usually very much hand to hand combat, brutal, mm-hmm. fast cuts sort of thing. And I think there's something so, I don't know what it, uh, something so charming, like down, yeah, and kind of like down to earth in a certain sense of like two people that can't figure out how to beat each other just having a go at it but not really thinking about it that much whilst doing it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like it's like a bar fight. It's like they're both drunk. Um and having a fight in a big in a big apartment thing. Um and yeah, and I think I think the one thing I would definitely say personally I think is absolutely the, the best part and better than Civil War for me, um, is both the visuals and the sound. Um, the I think the score by Hans Zimmer and Chunky XL hilarious name, um, and the cinematography by Larry Fong. I think, I think for me, I think across the board for nearly all of DC's movies, I think they've had a bit more, I guess, just visual kind of individuality about them compared to. Mm-hmm. As, is this going to uh, break into a DC versus MCU? I guess it is. <laughs> I guess we're here now. <laughs> Um, I just think they have a bit more, a bit more texture, a bit more interesting things going on visually than a 
pretty hefty amount of the Marvel movies that have came out recently. Um, and I would have to say that for me, Civil War is probably... I, I would only say Civil War for me is definitely one of the worst... I don't want to say... I'm not saying it's bad looking. I just think it's one of the most uh, boring-looking Marvel movies, I guess, <laughs> um, for me. And I mm. just think Batman and Superman has so much visual and sound and so much music. and It, it may be all over the top. It may be slow motion and quiet music and CGI lightning every once in a while. But I can't help but just... Just love it. <laughs> I just love it, um, and I think it's at least on a purely texture level. I think it's a more confident and individual to the director sort of style. I mean, mm-hmm. it's Snyder, and this is absolutely his version of this movie. And I think that's the big thing for me, where I'm like, I may have had problems with it. I may have softened up to it, and I think the big reason why is it's his movie. <laughs> um, and it's just, it just, nothing ever feels like it was forced upon him to make it. It just feels like this is his interpretation of it. And for him, this 100% just works. Um, and I find that so interesting. Um, but I definitely would agree that Civil War is a bit more well done. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, I think a good analogy is... Um, they're both very similar kicks. Um, maybe the Zack Snyder kick has a bit more icing, a bit more visual wow to it. But when they put him in the oven, Zack Snyder kind of took it out 10 minutes too early. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what we got on the one hand is a pretty competent kick that's just really, really, really well done and really tastes good. And another cake that looks amazing, had a lot of effort put into it, but when you actually eat it, you go, mm, it's all right. <laughs> um, so there, there we go. <laughs> wow. I think we've had the definitive metaphor for Civil War versus Batman v Superman. Uh, uh, I want to write a review about that. <laughs> oh, you know what? I might post that excerpt for the, for the Instagram. Mm. Oh my oh. god! <laughs> we should do a post all about. Um, we should do a review for some movies and have it all be food metaphors. <laughs> we should do that as like a challenge. Oh, oh my god, that'd be one, amazing! One one a week. We should, we should do like we have to talk about. <laughs> well, no, we should, we should pick a franchise. We could pick like a fairly short franchise and then say mm-hmm. we have to talk about the films in this franchise using only cake cake and food metaphors. <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god that would be I think that's it oh, it's our best idea you had <laughs> <laughs> oh great stuff uh, right do you want to move on to yours we can do <laughs> okay right um, my next one again we're back in the MCU mm-hmm. uh, again we're, we're doing we're doing original V sequel and it is a Guardians of the Galaxy versus a Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Mmm, hot topic. I feel like this is a tasty one. Mm, yeah. To continue the food metaphors. <laughs> um, for me, this is a really tough one. Mm, mm. Um, not that the other two weren't, <laughs> but um, 
I think it swings and roundabouts. It's whatever, whatever I think about. I think yeah, yeah, that makes Guardians two. That, that, makes, that makes Guardians the better one. And I think, oh, but Guardians two has this. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's just so much. There's just so much good stuff in in both of them. Mm-hmm. You have the advantage of you know. Guardians is more of a a well rounded. Again, Tears is again more of a more of a solo film. You know, yeah. it stands on its own. It has its own sort of core messages and core themes. It's about a team coming together. It's the original story. It's all done so well. But then you have, you have number two, which yes, isn't structurally and conventionally, it's not as effective of a, of of a. Or as it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not as traditionally good. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like yeah. if you talk about the traditional sense of how you judge a film, yeah, it just reaches new levels in terms of emotion. It reaches a new range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would argue that thematically, it's probably the deepest of the MCU films. It definitely goes for it, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, the, you do still have that that depth of emotion in the first one, mm. and despite how much I do love the second one and how it's just so James Gunn, you know, it's a film <laughs> where you can feel like he has definitely put everything into this, every bit of his heart and soul. Not that it doesn't in the first one. I think you can definitely tell the first one has the heart and soul of James Gunn, but I just feel like it's more unfiltered in number two. Mm, yeah. That's the best way to describe it. Mm. Um, that being said, I think if push came to shove and I had to pick one, <laughs> I would... Here we go again. <laughs> I would I would say Guardians won. Mm, okay. I, I, okay. I think for me... Uh, a very similar situation. It's very much a, um, it's like a day by day basis sort of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just kind of go back and forth all the time. Um, I think, I think for sake of argument, <laughs> I'm going to go for volume two. <laughs> um, and to be fair, I think it actually is my favorite one out of the two. Um, and I think it largely, for the most part, at least, comes down to the fact that. When it comes to the first one, as much as I love the characters and I think it's really, really well done, really solid and really um, compact and not doesn't really like waste a second uh, doing anything pointless. Um, there's something about the first one uh, when, you know, like 10 years later now, I guess, well, not 10 years, uh, seven years, I guess, um, later, where I feel like I've seen it before, oddly enough, and it's kind of like... Everything about the characters and the and the tone and the comedy and the music really really works, but I kind of find it often kind of um, under the under the weight of still being an origin movie, like an origin a team origin movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it feels like the Avengers, but in space. And I think the big part for me, at least, the big part of like oh. I don't love this part of the movie is definitely the villain and the the ending the world's gonna end MacGuffin sort of thing. Mm, yeah. Um and in general it 
the plot, the actual plot itself for me has always a bit distracted me from the actual, what I love about these two films. Um, and I think the second one feels completely unhooked from any sort of, well, it's a superhero movie, so therefore we've got to do this thing. Um, it does have a third act, it does have a big battle, it does have all the the plot setting up and all this sort of stuff, but I just feel like volume two is, it turns all of that into a very personal thing. It's not just a villain, it's the father, who's literally called Eagle. <laughs> um, and it's, it kind of, for me, it just feels also a bit more James Gunny. Um, mm-hmm. And I think as well, I think it's definitely my favourite looking Marvel film in the MCU, the, the volume two. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it... I think they changed the cameras that they were using for that one film for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and for whatever reason, the colour grade work was allowed to be actually a bit more... A bit more full of contrast, I think. Um, and I think it's... I just think it's... It's one... It's the th- like one of the... I want to say few, but I will say the standout definition to me of an MCU movie that is purely the director's vision. Um, and... Even though Volume 2 doesn't 100% work for me, I think because of the lack of plot, it can sometimes feel a bit kind of stuck in the same place. Um, and because of the, I think, uh, the the kind of... Because the first movie was so well known for its comedy, I do think there's a bit too much in the second one. Um, the whole running joke of the gold people... It it's never never even once landed for me on, on any level. <laughs> whenever they appear and whenever they do one of their jokes or one of their, uh, you know, just one of their jokes, I just never I don't know what it is. It just does not work for me on any level. <laughs> um, it feels kind of cheap in some ways as well. It feels a bit kind of like well, Marvel's known for going against the cliches and that being the joke and. That one scene has always kind of made me roll my eyes when um, the gold lady is walking on Contraxia. That they're uh, mm, gone. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I'll agree with you on this. Yeah, yeah I hate that moment so much. Yeah, because <laughs> the red carpet. Yeah, and otherwise, I love that scene. Like you know, Yondu all alone in that um, in that hotel thing. Um, him kind of questioning his role as a ravenger. Um, people going against them, and then uh, Stallone is there for a minute and kind of sets up the idea of the the funeral, like the colors, the colors of Gondor, <laughs> maybe. Um, it's not Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really good scene, and I think every once in a while, there's so many good scenes in this movie, and I think every once in a while, the volume two problem is that just. They'll just put a joke in there. And I don't know why. Um, that moment, like, for, I think as well, a similar thing with Nebula. The scene between Nebula and um, Kraglin. Is that his name? The, the brother. Swan brother. Mm-hmm. Swan gun. Um, and she's talking about how she's going to find her sister and kill her sister and all these sort of things. And it goes on and it gets really intense. And it cuts to um, kind of like a wide shot of him, um, Kraglin and her. And it becomes more of an awkward sort of comedy sort of moment. And I was like, you know what? If you just cut it there from her having that argument to the next scene, it would have been totally fine. It would have totally worked. Uh, but instead, it's made into a joke. Um, and I think it's it's sprinkled about with a bit too many of them for me. Otherwise, But otherwise, it's 
in my opinion, at least the absolute one of the best in the MCU. Maybe in some ways my favorite in the MCU. Um, and the volume one just feels a bit more restrained. I think that's that's one big thing here. This feels a bit more restrained. Um, but yeah, would you agree with any of that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I would agree with. Um, I think for for me that the pivotal scene that sells it for me in the direction of number one is just the detail of you know when they need to grab when, when Quill grabs the stone mm. and Gamora shouts give me a hand and then he sees his mother. Mm, yeah, I think that aspect for me is what is what tips it. It's that level of emotional depth that you know you see through a lot of number two with the the fatherhood thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but. The aspect in number one is yeah, that's what sells it for me. Yeah, again, I, mean, I, thought... I, I still absolutely adore number two. Yeah, it's just a case of slight edging it by zero point zero zero one percent. Yeah, that's what I say. It's same for me here. It's just, just like it's. I could on any day prefer the first one compared mm. to the second one, and then the other day I'll prefer the second one to the first one. It's just they're both amazing standout movies in, in that franchise for sure. Um, but yeah, is it me next? It's you, it's you. Oh. It's your chance. Um, <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to go for an interesting one. I'm going to go for X-Men versus the Avengers. Hmm. Okay. The very first X-Men compared to the very first Avengers. Okay. I, I think I picked this because it was the, at the same time as the, the, other, the other one I picked. It's kind of a similar film. But mm. just from two very different time periods, um, it's a team film. It's an introduction to an entire new kind of superhero movie. Um, it's it's the kind of first of its kind in both cases. Um, it features a lead role by an actor who is like perfectly cast and kind of steals the limelight for a lot of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's has a third act where the team has to come together and use the powers in unison to defeat the enemy. <laughs> um, so it's somewhat similar. But I think... I do think um, The Avengers is just a much more refined and... Uh, it's filled with a bit more personality compared to the first X-Men film. Um, I think it's... A, even though I do like the first X-Men film, I think it's a bit kind of lost <laughs> it feels kind of like it doesn't know what it's trying to do and then it kind of just ends um the first act has always been in my opinion like the highlight of that first film um where we see all these different mutants and all uh, wolverine for the first time and the school and the x-men and uh magneto all treated very kind of like a mystery to like be explained um and I think once they do explain that mystery and what the school is and all that sort of stuff, I think the movie from then on kind of just makes up a bit of like drama for no reason. Like the whole Wolverine mm. versus the whole Wolverine versus Cyclops thing is so kind of just just have a talk, you know, just get over it. <laughs> um, it just kind of feels like hamstrung. Kind of just we need this scene because we've got another hour left, um, sort of thing. Um, and the first Avengers compared to that is a very similar thing where I love the first act in the first Avengers film where we're setting up all these different characters in very different and unique situations but I think once the film actually does get them together in the same room it does a lot more interesting things 
Um, so like, I just think having them all be tied together by the Loki plot and having mm-hmm. Loki be a character that we know well kind of makes the entire thing a bit more human, a bit more relatable, a bit more kind of not just, oh, we're making everyone a mutant because why not? <laughs> um, we're going to the Statue of Liberty because why not sort of thing. Um, and I think it just wraps up a lot better, the first Avengers. I think it's it's just a perfectly structured, a perfectly cast, a perfectly kind of um, uh, written and directed in some, in some ways um, summer blockbuster. It feels like the more summer blockbuster kind of thing. But mm. also it's really, really good. And there's a lot of conflict going on with the characters that doesn't, doesn't feel forced. There's a lot of friendships and a lot of back and forth that feels completely natural. And the third act is... Sure, it is. It is definitely you know aliens are coming from the sky and we need to destroy the big thing, um, sort of thing. But at the same time, it's filled with so much personality and so many amazing moments and so many great shots. I think like having the slow motion, the slow motion shot of Thor and Captain America getting their shields and the hammer together in the same frame is such a really cool. I love that frame so much. It's so good, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I just think it's. And much much better film. And I think it. I think the big point for me is that it wraps up a lot better. And I think it's because in the first X Men film, when all the characters have to use the powers together to save the day, it feels so weird because it's okay. We need to get Wolverine to the top of this uh, Statue of Liberty thing. Um. So, <laughs> so instead of getting the one with telekinesis to do this. We'll have telekinesis plus the wind to include storm, um, and then for no real reason, we'll just have Cyclops be there in case something happens, <laughs> and he'll shoot one one of the metal pots that's there, I guess, and Wolverine will just do the rest of it by itself, um, and that it just feels a bit kind of like. You didn't really know what to do here, did you? <laughs> um, compared to the first Avengers, which feels very much like Captain America's finally in the role of the leader. Um, Tony Stark's finally taking orders now. Um, Hulk is finally allowed to smash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, there's all these these all these great moments coming together, um, and I just think it's a stronger, but it's benefiting from having a decade to learn <laughs> sort of thing. Um, would you agree? Yeah, I think the Avengers film is just, it's much more complete. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, what, you, what you touched on with the, the conflicts, I feel like, like you said, the conflicts in Avengers are just generally, well, better done, significantly better done. Mm-hmm. The conflicts in x-men particularly cyclops and wolverines just it's it's basically it's the most it's the most 2000 thing ever <laughs> yeah um and in 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 some in some aspects it's x-men is very much a product of its time mm-hmm. especially with sort of the visual you have that similar visual that you have with a lot of comic book films from that era where you have like a slightly darker bluish tinge to it Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, everyone's wearing black leather. Yeah, they're kind of ashamed to be comic booky at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. The conflicts in Avengers are generally done. I also just feel like Avengers 
with a longer runtime, it just feels like it has much more room to breathe. Mm, yeah. Um, characters are just generally... Again, it does have the benefit of having previous films there. Mm-hmm. But on its own, it sets up characters a lot better than mm. than X-Men does. I mean, across the board in general, like, consistently, because obviously in X-Men you have... Wolverine is excellently built up. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no denying that. As is, I think. I think Rogue's also done really well. As is, generally Professor X and Magneto. Mm-hmm. Even if Magneto's motives, you know, aren't aren't, aren't completely crystal. <laughs> yeah, not really. Um, but I think you get away with that because you have Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart who just haven't living the best lives. <laughs> opposite yeah. each other every every time we have both them in, in, in a scene mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be fireworks yeah yeah <laughs> it's going to be great to watch um, whenever they say old friend it's like oh I believe you <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah um, yeah they have they have that element bang on but I think across the board because for me characters like Cyclops Jean Grey especially Storm mm-hmm. you just aren't as developed as they could be yeah, I'm not kidding when I say just now when you said Storm, I went, oh, yeah, Storm. Even though before I said the wind, I said, like, st- I even mentioned Storm before. Yeah. Just just now I went, oh, yes, he's in this movie. <laughs> um, Across the board, considering you've got Halle, Ber- Halle Berry into player, across yeah. the board in the X-Men film, she's not given a lot to do. G- given nothing to do. I mean, in the third film, I think she was, like, I think she forced because she got so, so little to do. I'm pretty sure like she forced um, the writers to be like, give me something to do. <laughs> um, and that's why she's like, in the third film at least, um, like the 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 new head of the school almost. Mm. Just because she had she had literally forced the writers to do something with her character. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They I mean, it's it's cool still seeing all the powers, but I just certainly have they're not as fleshed out as, you know, you have in Avengers, you obviously have you have your six Avengers. Hmm. You have a villain. You have Nick Fury. You have um, you have Coulson. Mm, yeah. You have all those characters who who feel like they're there for a reason and are fully fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you you definitely have that as an edge. I mean, I have a lot of nostalgia for, for X Men. I, yeah, I do too. I, I mean, a lot. I, I can't tell you the amount of times I watched that as a kid. <laughs> there are parts of the kid that I would usually skip over. Oh, another character is Mystique. Yeah, yeah. She's, in, in the X-Men film, she's just henchman number one. Yeah, and like she's like a visually interesting character and interesting power, and I think very played very well by the actress, who mm, yeah. um, I forget. But it's just kind of... Again, it's it has that kind of um, the the first four Batman films sort of thing where they made it they made it at least somewhat believable. They made it kind of grounded, but then from that point, they didn't really do much to make these characters more than just the visual of them being there. Mm. It's like so. I think a perfect example that we talked about a lot in a previous episode was Batman. For majority in those first four movies, is just there doing his Batman thing. He's not really a character. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he doesn't really grow. He doesn't really have any sort of deep flow that we explore that much. Um 
And I think it's very similar for the most part in these X-Men films, especially the first one, the first couple at least. Um, mm. It didn't uh, go too far into making them be actual characters for the most part, mm-hmm. um, which is really annoying. Um, and I think it's definitely a sign of like, the time it was made in, where it was more, it was less, can we make a good movie? And more, can we get away with this? <laughs> it's because it, like there was, there's all that. I mean, famously, there's that line where Wolverine says, um, "Oh no, Cyclops says what we prefer: yellow spandex." And it's meant to be mm-hmm. kind of like an obvious joke where, Haha, obviously, yellow spandex would never work in this sort of film. And then you know we've got even like two years later we've got Samurai Spider-Man film, which is literally a guy in blue and red spandex, <laughs> um, you know, swinging around New York. Um, and Willem Dafoe cackling like a madman. Yeah, I mean, it's it totally does work as long as you make a film around it that makes that tone and that visual, like, aesthetic feel natural. Mm-hmm. So if you go into an X-Men film and from the get-go, you just want to have it be, you know, woods and forests and schools and abandoned, abandoned facilities and very grounded, non-comic booky language for the most part, it just... You're putting yourself in a box before you even get started <laughs> with these with those characters at least. I mean, X Men are. I mean, X Men go to an island that has dinosaurs on it in the comics. Like they go to parallel dimensions. They go to space all the time. They go to space all the time, and it took it took until Dark Phoenix like two years ago, I think, for them to go to space. And they go like to fix like an astronaut thing, and then they come back down. And aliens, aliens do exist in that film, and no one ever mentions it. Like ex- aliens come down in X Men franchise for the first time in twenty years. It, that entire franchise has been going for twenty years. Aliens happen, no one talks about it. No one cares. It's aliens, it happened. <laughs> it's such a strange, strange franchise. That I never, never got outside of being afraid to be its own comic booky self. Um, and when. Yeah. And when it, you could say it maybe did, it created problems and that it clashed with everything. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely did. <laughs> um, there's some great films in, that, in the X-Men franchise. I think X-Men 2 is pretty, honestly, great. Mm-hmm. And I think First Class is great, and Logan, obviously, is really great. It's just... It's just an odd... It started out in an odd place, <laughs> and it didn't quite get away from it too much. Um, but yeah... Do you want to move on? We can do. Yeah. Um, let me have a think then. What should we go for next? What verses could we go for next? Um, mm. If you want a really easy one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, really easy one. Um... <laughs> I feel like I know what this is going to be. <laughs> Hellboy or Hellboy original or Hellboy remake. You know what? The remake's pretty good. <laughs> no, no, the, the original. No. The original. <laughs> um, yeah, the original every time. Mm. And anybody who consistently listens to the podcast will know why. Yeah, it's... I don't like it. You hate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's one of them that just... Redeeming quality, if I was to pick one, would be that David Harper's trying. Yeah, he's he's having fun, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Other than that, absolute nonsense. Get in the bin. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, I'm not normally like that with films. I will normally try and you defend them, but no. Yeah, Just if anyone, anyone, it, if it's anyone... a prime example of people being like, "Yeah, people want R-rated. That's going to make it good, right?" Mm, yeah, yeah. No, no, it doesn't. No. That's what makes it wore. It's generally disgusting to watch. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> made, it's, just, it's just the most edgy. Oh, let's put a lot of violence in here. Yeah. Everybody likes violence. It's going to make tons of money. Everyone's going to love it. No, they're not. It's disgusting. It's borderline torture porn. Go to hell. Yeah, yeah it kind of was, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe don't. If you're listening right now, you're thinking, maybe I'll watch it. Just no. don't. Just don't. Just don't. No, move on. <laughs> Have you got another battle? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> unless, unless you want to talk more about it, I'm only joking. Uh, not really, honestly. I think everyone who's watched it knows everyone who hasn't watched it will not be watching it. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, okay. So my next one is actually maybe a pretty tough one. Um, okay. I'm going to go for Logan versus The Dark Knight. Oh. Yeah. That's out there, you know. <laughs> That's outside the box compact thinking there. Yeah. How I, how I do it outside the box, inside the triangle, Illuminati. What? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think the reason I picked this one because it's such they're like they're like the hype they're the obvious high points of the, of the genre. You know, um, one. I mean, I think maybe both of them got an Oscar. I think Dark Knight definitely did. Logan maybe maybe yeah. got nominated. I can't remember. I honestly can't um, remember. But yeah, I think they're definitely the high points of the genre, and I think whilst they're not similar in terms of story or plot, they are very similar to the tone and kind of how good they are. I think that's the mm-hmm. big thing here, how like, they're both very good movies. <coughs> very, oh, very <laughs> a very similar tone. Um, the dark and the dark and the tortured and the psycho psychoanalysis sort of route. Um, into, into these characters and I think for me I definitely think that to a certain extent I do think that The Dark Knight is the better film out of the two um, I think The Dark Knight is a bit more a bit more I don't know it's hard it's weird to put this as the big reason why but a bit more Christopher Nolan-y <laughs> um, it feels more like his entire film it feels more uh, a bit more thought out and a bit more I guess them- thematically important the entire way through um, and I think it's just a really really solid and amazing not even solid, like an amazing film like generally like amazing film um, all the way through pretty much and it's, I think Logan whilst being a very very good film is still kind of a bit I don't know how to put it. It's still a bit kind of tied down to being a superhero film, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's mm. kind of still, it's still, you know, a somewhat generic villain, um, a henchman who's just our protagonist, but, you know, evil. <laughs> um, but, and again, it's hard. I'm really hard struggling here to like come up with reasons to be like one bit and the other because they're both very good, but in two very different ways. It's just one's very grounded and realistic, one's very grounded and depressing. 
it's yeah. What do you think about this? <laughs> I I think. Oh God. Because I I I, I we watched the Dark Knight fairly recently. Until then, I hadn't seen it for quite a while. So I was thinking, oh yeah, it's good. Let's stick it on. And I stuck it on. And by the end of it, I was like, I'd forgotten how good the Dark Knight is. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it is so good. However, mm. the the two films, they're different kinds of good. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. To me, the Dark Knight is kind of... You, you, you sit in there and... It's playing out all the stuff on the barge, all the plot lines, all the themes are coming together by the end, and you you, you sort of it's the kind of film where you sit up and think, "Holy shit, this is good." <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a point where you sort of make sense of it all, and you think, "Yeah, this is a good film." Hmm. Whereas Logan is good, as it is good in that sense, but it's good in the sense of it just it just makes you feel something. Hmm. Yeah, it, it really it, just it feels personal because you care about Logan and it has that edge in terms of. I'm not necessarily sat there thinking, yeah, I'm watching a good film. I'm mm. sat there thinking, I'm I'm more in it if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's more I feel of a more char- invested in it. Yeah, it's more of a character drama sort of, not maybe character study, I guess, because mm. it's Logan. He's our character for the entire film. We very rarely leave him. Um, there's very mm-hmm. rarely a scene where he's not involved somehow. Um, whereas The Dark Knight is very much a film where Batman is our main character, but he's more of a he's just one he's just one of the many players on the board. Um, mm-hmm. um, and it's more kind of a not a complicated web, but definitely a web of plot lines and um, conflict and themes and ideas and some really amazing action sequences that are very, very kind of grounded and practical and very mm. just kind of like, wow, <laughs> like they actually did that truck flip and all those sort of things. Um, and I think Logan, on the other hand, is much more of a, it's not as big and grand and as, um, it's, it's more as grounded into what is a day of the life, day of the life like in this guy's uh, day, day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of he's a limo driver um, he's trying to get enough money to go on a boat and kind of leave with um, Xavier and it all kind of goes to hell when this little girl throws up and it kind of becomes a bit more of a um, a Last of Us sort of situation <laughs> um, yeah. getting, a char- getting, a, getting a character from A to B um, and I think it I think it really really works and I think it's a really great film and I think it's it's based upon the idea of just being a very like kind of a reductionist sort of film. It's there are some very weird sci-fi elements. Everyone's got robotic limbs. Um, the sort of there's backstory. There's the sort of, automated lorries. This is a what? The automated lorries. Oh yeah, yeah. There's that. <laughs> they always freak me out a bit, just because like, I don't want to die, you know. <laughs> and they're going on about. Um, and there's like, oh, there's some weird elements to it, but it's all very much kind of. But what happens when you just take all that flash away and kind of just go, well, what do they do when they wake up in the morning? <laughs> uh, sort of thing. And it's, yeah, like you said, it's kind of a depressing film for the most part. And whilst The Dark Knight is depressing at some points, it's not kind of a. 
it's very much like a blockbuster sort of thing, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It feels more like a plot and a movie and a film and a big grand kind of like, a director got a lot of money to make this film <laughs> sort of situation. Yeah, it feels like a big premise type thing. Yeah. And I think it's so hard to compare these two. Um, and I think for me, I do prefer The Dark Knight. I think it's a bit more well-rounded. I do think, for me personally, I do think there's some kind of clunky experience position sort of dumps in the first in the in Logan um mm-hmm. there is some kind of odd CG moments near the end for me mm-hmm. there are there are some kind of like I don't really care about the villain at all in Logan mm-hmm. for me I think the yeah. I do generally really like Richard E. Grant but he just kind of swords up and I I'm not kidding when I never my first time watching it when he showed up at the end it took me a second to go Oh, you're the, yeah, you're the villain, aren't you? Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> I kind of forgot that he was in the movie for a bit. Um, when you compare that to, obviously, the Joker, uh, it's just no comparison in that regard. It's just Heath Ledger, the Joker. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing else in the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, only you got to say only maybe one or two villains are going to beat that in a, in a head-to-head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In a film comparison uh, head-to-head. So It's... Yeah, I do think Dark Knight, Dark Knight for me is a bit better and a bit more well-rounded, a bit more, I don't know how to put it, but kind of just, it's just, I love it, all of it. <laughs> and Logan's more like, I love the vast majority of this and not everything about it. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's they're both amazing films. <laughs> yeah. If it came to me, it's it's sort of a case of, I can't, I completely agree with everything you've said. I feel like... In terms of a grand, well-rounded spectacle, you have to look at The Dark Knight in terms of the way it handles its themes and what it's saying and how it pulls everything together and how it all all the aspects of that film pull in the same direction. And it's executed perfectly. In this scenario, my head is screaming at me to say The Dark Knight, but <laughs> my heart is telling me Logan. <laughs> yeah. And given the choice I made earlier, it make, only makes sense that I should, you know, I should follow my heart again. <laughs> yeah. I have to say Logan. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't go against that. I respect it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> We're being civil here. We're going to have an argument. Well, are we? We never know. <laughs> He's going to fi- hunt me down and find me after this podcast is done. Yeah. You're somewhere in the UK, so. <laughs> that's narrow um, enough there's lockdown though isn't there <laughs> I forgot about mm. that <laughs> yeah well do you want to move on to your uh, we can do I think this is going to be my final one okay um and the day <laughs> okay this is more of a of a um <laughs> I don't even know how to approach this I'm just sort of Trying to trying to consider what your reaction to this question is going to be. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, my question is. <laughs> my question is, Spider Man Two, mm-hmm. or Far From Home? Well, okay. <laughs> it's like you make fun out of me, you know. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm being bullied at the playground. <laughs> you know, I'm going to react. You don't get a reaction. Uh, I know. I'm, I've even though we're in separate places, I'm taking cover. <laughs> <laughs> Again, somewhere in the UK. I know you're somewhere in the UK. <laughs> um, okay, 
Well, okay. So for those that don't know, <laughs> bit of background. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite film of all time, not even just in the genre of all time, is Spider-Man 2. Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi. It is, uh, yeah. Alvin Saljan, the writer. Um, Pill Pop, director of photography. Danny Elfman, music. And one and more disappointing, heart-crushing, kind of bewildering, honestly, in some ways, movie of my lifetime has been Spider-Man Far From Home. Which, me and you have very different opinions about this film. <laughs> um. I actually had an argument with someone on Instagram um, the other day. Really? Um, yeah. It was... Um, the, the, the post was something about... It was something, say, something saying that somebody had support for John Watts directing Fantastic Four. Mm. And I, you know, I, I, I just put a quick comment in saying, you know, let's let's see how this goes. Give him a chance. Mm-hmm. And a guy, <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming it's a guy. I don't know if he's a guy or not. This person um, commented on my comment, <laughs> and this this person's username um, was disrespect MCU Spider Man. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh God. And and I basically ended up having a full argument with them about why, why why he hated uh, Spider Man Far From Home, why I didn't. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Wow. So okay. yeah, you uh, <laughs> you're not overly fond of it. I I really like Far From Home. Hmm. Um, uh, it's one of one of my um, right. Okay. Right. One of my don't take this the wrong way. One of my favorites from Spider Man. Oh, it's not my okay. favorite. Calm down. Oh. One oh. of them. It's up there. Okay. <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, I I I love really love elements about it. The romance, MJ and Peter and all that. Great stuff. On to Spider Man Two. <laughs> I, I I I I I would like to say that um. I love both these films. My favourite Spider-Man is probably Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can hear you seething. Nah, I'm, I'm alright, I'm alright. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would say my favourite Spider-Man is... Yeah, is, is Tom Holland. However, if it makes any difference in this case, I would probably have to side with Spider-Man too. Good, good, good. <laughs> Mainly <Hi>. because <laughs> it's just a special film. Mm. I don't know how else to describe it. Mm. It's just a special film. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's a unique boy, you know. Yeah. You know. Um, Doc Ock, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, mm. perfect villain. You have perfect arcs with Peter and, and MJ. Great stuff. All round legendary themes. Mm. It's got that special aesthetic to it. <laughs> that slightly sort of tinted, you know, gold tinted comic mm. book glow. Yeah. That Richard Donner sort of Superman thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Sam Raimi Spider-Man. I mean... Yeah. Ah. No matter how much I want, I want to stand in Far From Home's corner. If it ultimately came to, I think I'd have to go with this one. Mm. But I would like to echo that my favourite version of Spider Man is 
Tom Holland's and the MCU's. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, I don't... By no means do I think that Tom Holland, as an actor and as a performer, is the worst Peter Parker Spider-Man because he's this bad doing a character. It's more just... To me, personally... I mean, it is, it's all personal. Like, it's not... I'm not saying my opinion is your objective opinion. It's all opinions. Um, this is a very strong opinion that I do have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I just think there's something about the way he's written, especially in Far From Home for me, with Tom Holland, where I feel like he's not playing a teenager, he's playing like a 10-year-old. <laughs> um, and it's not like he's like, a, I'm not saying he's playing a dumb kid or like a, it just feels like he's talking like, like what adults think teenagers talk like, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even comparing that to um, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, um, playing a very same for the first movie at least is playing a teenage um, in high school, Peter Parker. Um, his dialogue and his interactions and his conflicts for me always feel like actual people, like actual um, teenagers and how they work. Um, and I compare that for me personally to Far From Home and Elements of Homecoming even. They feel kind of like a Disney, Disney. Um, I don't know. I could. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it just feels very artificial to me, and kind of like the ideal of what high school life is like, and not the perhaps somewhat reality to it. Um, so on that level, for me, that character is a bit doesn't work for me as much as I want him to. Um, I do think he's great as playing that I do think he does it pretty much perfectly that's the thing to me I don't think it's him at all I think it's just what he's being told to do <laughs> um and there are definitely moments I think he's really just he has some of the best moments um in the filmography of Spider-Man overall I mean him lifting the 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 rocks from above him mm-hmm. in Homecoming um the argument scene on the plane and far from home um a lot of scenes between him and Art May are pretty great for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's amazing as the character. I just think... I just can't wait. I'm going to make a Harry Potter analogy. I can't... I just cannot wait until he gets his Harry Potter free. I want him to get his Harry Potter free. Whereas <laughs> it's no longer a kid's film, really. It's kind of a bit more... A bit more adult. A bit more kind of individual to the director. A bit more... I don't know. I just want. I want the character to grow up weirdly enough. <laughs> um, it's an odd way to criticize it, but that's the way I feel about it. Um, and yeah, I just if we're comparing Spider-Man two to Far From Home, it's the big point for me is always the idea of just one is kind of heavy and relatable and um, uh, very much Sam Raimi, um, and it's entirely made out of the idea. Literally, the, you could literally say the theme of Spider-Man 2 is consequences. Um, literally every scene where Peter Parker does something heroic has an, a negative outcome <laughs> in some way. I mean, even the first, very, very, very first moment where he, uh, he's delivering pizza and he becomes Spider-Man to get there quicker, immediately um, a guy thinks that Spider-Man has has just stolen Peter Parker's pizza. Um, he's therefore assuming that uh, Spider-Man's a bad guy. Um, and then from this, 
Spider-Man is getting, you know, defamed by um, uh, J.K. Simmons, J. Donald Jameson. Um, it's, I mean, the entire first 20 minutes, it's him at university, he's not doing very well, he's juggling a job, uh, two jobs, um, he's trying to get his name kind of not being so much just hated by everyone because of his boss at work. Um, he is disconnected from MJ. He is similarly disconnected from Harry because of the father thing. Um, <laughs> no, because he uh, killed his dad. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that thing. Yeah, that little detail. Um, Aunt May is kind of very lonely and she's argu- literally having an argument with Peter Parker over who deserves like $20. Um, and this all happens on his birthday. Like, 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 what a bad birthday. <laughs> um, just a terrible day. That's just like a little microcosm of what his day is like all the time. And how it's not depressing. It's weirdly kind of, even though what's happening is depressing, it's weirdly because of the, the Sam Raimi energy and the glow and the, the humour from J.K. Simmons especially. It makes it all, it just make it all kind of not lighthearted, but accessible from the very get-go it feels like not just a depressing slog like um like man of, uh batman superman is kind of the entire way through completely depressing <laughs> um whereas Spider-Man 2 even though it's having depressing things happening the way it's depicted is very much kind of hyper stylized hyper energetic um and when i compare that to far person i'm just talking personally here i mean mm-hmm. far more for me is kind of just it's just comedic stick, uh, comedic sketch between teenagers, um, uh, sandwiched in between scenes where Peter Parker just really enjoys being Spider Man, <laughs> um, and it kind of is just back and forth. And I think whilst I definitely do like Homecoming, I think it's for me. I think the the big kind of oh maybe this isn't for me is when Intro from Home where. The reveal of Aunt May is kind of brushed over and kind of a joke, and then Aunt May goes and dares Happy Hogan in the background. Um, the Flash is kind of just a punching back for jokes. <laughs> um, and even MJ, as much as I do think they got good chemistry, I don't know that much about her character aside from the fact that she's a bit weird. I don't really. It's just a. I don't know. I think. I think for me, the perfect way of putting it in this one sentence is. These Tom Holland, John Watts um, made Spider-Man movies. They're just not for me. They're, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they're not for me. <laughs> um, I just much much prefer even the Amazing Spider-Man, at least the first one, um, in some ways, just for having. I, I don't know. I just, I just think these new ones. They're just not for me. All right. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. I think. Yeah. I'd agree with everything you've said about Spider-Man too. Just, just to get a little defence in of of or my perspective from Far From Home, I, I would say that I actually quite like the more. I just, I suppose, I quite younger dialogue maybe. Mm-hmm. In the yeah, the the relationship between Peter and MJ, the way it sort of pans out, as well helped by their chemistry, I do just I find it genuinely charming, which. As, mm. as you've said, it's, you know, it's, not, it's not for you. For me, I just like that perspective on it. Yeah. And I just like the fact that 
to me, this version of Spider-Man, especially in, in this film as well, is just more... There, there still just seems to be the, the struggle of the burden of being Spider-Man in an Avengers universe, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like obviously, yeah. obviously the, the Spider-Man films tackle the burden of being Spider-Man. They do it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the core elements. However, I feel like in Far From Home, you have a Peter that has a lot of grief in him. Mm-hmm. Particularly towards towards Tony Stark, the way he died, how he died, and and all that. And I feel like it, I just like the aspect of maybe for once I don't want to be this massive superhero that everyone loves. I just want to mm-hmm. be a kid. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, know what I you personally mean. really like that element. I also like the villain, which I know you're not. Again, it's not your cup of tea. I don't think you. I think you've said in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, I will admit that him being another disgruntled ex Stark employee is a slight negative on him. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just probably mentioned that. I, I think I get caught up a lot in how much it's not for me that it turns. I kind of the way I put it, the way that I say it, kind of sounds like a, I think it's one of the worst films ever made. I do not think that by any means. I think yeah. it's. Oh yeah. I think it's. If anyone, if anyone out there listening right now loves this film, then that is completely, utterly fine. Fuck me, I don't care. <laughs> like, it's completely fine. Yeah, plenty of people, plenty, plenty of people right now hate Spider-Man Two for you know being cheesy or too much Sam Raimi or whatever, um, and that's completely fine too. Like that's totally fine. Um, I just think that's probably making sure that I think it's a, honestly altogether a pretty fine film if i was taking out my emotional reaction to it i think overall i think it's a good fun blockbuster i think it's i think it's paced well i think there's some really good humor um i think the cgi for the most part is really good um mm-hmm. when there's a, there's a few shots in there of like spider-man suit up close where i'm like oh my god i can see there's, there's so much detail in the suit right now and i swear to god I don't think any of this is actually real, <laughs> and I can't believe that because it looks so so real. Um, I just think for me, it's like it's like someone asked me what I wanted from blockbusters, and especially this character, and they kind of just did the opposite for one movie, and it kind of is isn't for me <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, yeah, and my reaction to that was very strong at the time, and now it's kind of just. Yeah, we get we get we get a video game every year of this character and a comic book, and you know, Into the Spider is happening now. I mean, it's great. You know, <laughs> shall we move on? Yeah, we can move on. I think we can probably get one the one more in if we make it quick yeah. one. Well, weirdly, you've taken away my big one at the end, which is oh, Spider-Man no, Two. Oh no, no! It's gonna be it's gonna be a bit different. It's gonna be Spider-Man Two versus Spider-Man Homecoming. So I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to kick Far From Home whilst it was down. <laughs> I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be too mean to it. Because <laughs> whenever I, it, it gets brought up, I get a bit too mean about it, and I feel really bad about it. <laughs> oh, so sorry. I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to poop on your parade line. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I have got one more. I have got okay. one more. Um, I have very similar. Oh, I'm films. so sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I knew it was going to come anyway because it's it's the core of my being. <laughs> um, uh, so my last pick, I think, is going to be Captain America: The First Avenger versus Wonder Woman. 
And oh, seems... that's a good one. I think that's a yeah. really good one. Because they're very similar films in, the, in a lot of ways. Um, it's a character who's very optimistic, kind of the um, the moral compass of the entire cinematic universe that, cinematic universe that, they, are, that they are in. Um, they are set during a world war. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a lot of fighting Nazis and stuff like that. Um, and at the end, there's a big battle. And then the third act is easily the most disappointing element of the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, how do you feel about these two movies? That's such a pretty good comparison. They're all similar in that respect, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think in in the wider scheme of the MCU, I think First Avengers is really underrated. I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's a film mm-hmm. I really deeply appreciate. Mm. It's a really unique visually looking visual looking film. It's got that whenever they're in sort of New York, it's got this really sort of exaggerated nineteen thirties, forties New York look, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. You know, it's yeah. this highly glamorized, colorized, golden tinted look. <laughs> it feels like it's straight from the pages of a comic book. Yeah. Um some of the CGI isn't great, and there was one shot of him jumping off a tank. Which you <laughs> yeah, see and you think, ooh. The tank is like so big as well. <laughs> I know. Um, on, the, on the flip side though, the CGI of making Chris Evans look that small is phenomenal. It's still to this day perfect. It's amazing. Mm. Like I watched, uh, I watched, actually watched Winter Soldier yesterday. Mm. And there's a little flashback in it to when he's doing his training in the military camp. Yeah. And it just they just saw little Chris Evans. I thought, oh my god, <laughs> it looks so good. It's yeah, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, yeah. You have this this good tinted one, and you have this core element of Captain America that he's a good person. Which, as I've said before, it's great how they've done it in this film, and it hasn't come across as sickly. Hmm. Which um, is something that you know you sort of roll your eyes whenever he says something morally good. Which isn't the case for this. Yeah. And also, it applies to Wonder Woman that they are very sincere versions of a character hmm. that never really come across as, as sickly. Yeah. Um, and also, you have in, in Captain America, you have the Erskine speech. Mm, yeah. Which is, but... you know, in terms of, um, um, in fact, in general, monologues in films, I think it's a pretty great one. Yeah. Um, it's one. Of, it's one of like I think it's one of the best kind of like just before the men, the mentor figure dies sort of speeches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of those speeches like, oh, it's the great speech, mm. but you're gonna die. <laughs> um, yeah, Wonder Woman. On the other hand, I feel like it's really when you think about it, it's a really unusual film. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, there are a lot of elements in there which I I think are great. The action sequence on the trenches and through the town in France mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Oh, the yeah. music as well. <laughs> Legendary. Um, I think overall, I think... Oh, it's so difficult to pick between them. Because mm. also you have the fact, on Wonder Woman's side, you have the fact that it's a real landmark film. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um... Because, again, and to add another layer to it, you're talking about two films which have perfect castings. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Acting performances. Both films have mentors that die. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, time jump at the end. Mm, yes, yeah, there is. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> I think, I think for me, it's edged by the first Avenger. Really? Ooh, okay. I think I think First Avenger has a slightly better final act. Mm, yeah. I think it I has guess. some it has some pacing issues around the halfway mark. Yeah, it definitely does. This is the point where, where you get sent to do the shows. Mm. I think at that point it, it really sort of struggled, but once you get to the point, um, once you get to Bucky's death, mm. I think from there on it picks up again. Yeah, I don't. I agree. Yeah. Um, and I also think that you have a great emotional moment of him flying the the plane into the into the ice. Yeah. Um, and the ending, actually, the ending scenes of him waking up in New York have like an odd tragedy to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, in Wonder Woman, on the flip side, you have the rather emotional scene of, of Steve's death. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think I have to go... I have to... Again, it's not point not one percent edge. I think I have to go with First Avenger. Hmm, right. I, yeah, I I think for me it's... Um, I think... I, I always found Wonder Woman to be a bit more focused. If that, mm, if that makes yeah. sense. I think, like you were saying, uh, with Captain America, the First Avenger, I do think that little act and... Just before the actual finale, it does get a bit kind of, what are we doing? <laughs> it it kind of, and we're like we're doing a lot of montages where we're just going through, um, just a lot of things that should be probably be scenes by themselves, like actual scenes, but instead they kind of just became a montage, um, and then the third act becomes, kind of just stop the thing from blowing up the thing in the sky thing, and it's mm. it's it's fun. I don't think it's bad or anything. I just think it's kind of, you know, compared to uh, the emotional heights of, like, Iron Man vs. Captain America in the third mm. film, it just kind of feels a bit more, oh, world-ending MacGuffin thing, stop it, you know? Yeah. Um, I think for me, I do think I prefer Wonder Woman, just by a bit. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's largely because um, the film just feels way more like a fish-out-of-water story, and a bit more clear on that part. It's it's one woman having this naive idea of what humanity is, um, being very, very sweet and charming and uh, heroic, and kind of being like taken out from the Femascara world and then putting her into World War One. <laughs> is so it's like a an amazing contrast, and I think it's obviously I think everyone knows this is obviously like the best part of that movie is um, it all being paid off in the way where she kind of proudly for the first time in the film, is in her outfit on Norman's land and it's slow motion and mm-hmm. it's this beautiful, beautiful moment with this amazing score and it falls on to, into this amazing actor sequence where she kind of takes down this entire group of uh, soldiers uh, with the entire team. Um, and it's just, I think even though, yes, the third act is a bit kind of, it gets all out of nowhere. It, it just becomes fight a big god who is grey 
and he has mm-hmm. fire behind him, and we gotta kill him real quick. Um, even though it does have that element to it, I still really do like the third act and what it is until that point. Yeah. Um, her and um, uh, Steve and Diana fighting over like what is humanity essentially, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, Steve like saying maybe like maybe we are the terrible. Maybe we are, all right? But I'm going to go. <laughs> um, I think that scene is incredible. And I think it's... Uh, now that we have the second film to go off from, it kind of acts like a precursor to the moment where Diana has the confidence and the the knowledge and wisdom to kind of leave Steve behind, knowing it's for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, for me personally, I just think Wonder Woman has a bit more... A bit more, a bit more clear. I think that's a good way of putting it. It's mm. a bit more um, character focused than the first Avenger. Kind of, just kind of gets a bit wishy washy. Um, and also, I think a really good comparison for me is the the Howling Commandos compared to the team in in uh, Wonder Woman. I feel like the Howling Commandos team in um, uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. They're just sort of there. <laughs> they just yeah. sort of appear. They kind of just come out of nowhere and appear for like a second. Um, compared to um, the, Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman team, who I feel like are all really well set up and have their own flaws and their own prides and own desires. Um, the actor guy, he wanted to be an actor, but then the war happened. And it, and also, you know, he was... And I think he said, he said like the actual word, like, I was the wrong colour. Um, you know, like kind of having a bit more of a... Um, tie into the actual time that was their setting and the sort of racism going on and uh, I just feel like this entire team is a bit more set up and a bit more person a bit more personally motivated than the team that's just kind of this has this kind of happens in the first Avenger film um, but yeah I think it's for me it's it's bit I don't think it's I don't think it's for me as much as a the obvious I don't think oh hang on how do I put this I don't think this is a this is a close call for me. I think it's almost kind of like for me a definite Wonder Woman for me. Is it? Yeah, mm. I don't think because Captain America's the first Avengers is a bad film or anything. I think it's a very very good film, and I love the first act in that film with uh, with Steve Rogers and the entire military program sort of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think Wonder Woman keeps that first act going on longer, <laughs> the entire film almost until like the disappointing finale which sort of comes out of nowhere um <laughs> uh yeah i think one, i think it's one woman for me uh personally yeah i can see why i can easily see why yeah hey i think that's our last is that last that's our last one done yeah yeah have you got any it's more been super fun yeah <laughs> having a little battle <laughs> yeah good old battle yeah um yeah so uh, i'll take us home yeah, go on take, then. Take us home, country, country road. <laughs> Along, um, yeah. <laughs> so, Goodbye. Thank <laughs> so, so, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode where we had a little battle. Um, yeah. So, if you like like this and want to hear some more, we have all sorts of episodes on Spotify and iTunes and Google Podcasts, maybe mm-hmm. SoundCloud. Yeah. We have all sorts Those of them. platforms. Um, so if you enjoy that, go listen to our other ones over there. Um, we have an Instagram account at, at Marvel Cinema Podcast where we are doing daily reviews and weekly podcasts on Monday. 
get uploaded then. Um, we're doing the same thing over at our Twitter, um, at Snow Marvelous, um, daily reviews, weekly podcasts. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye.